BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This week on The Scarecast. Later when some of us went into the shower... There was yelling. The guys who were out there with us said that they saw that their faces had no skin in the mirror. I put down all five menus, but there was a sixth person sitting at the end of the table. She had her back turned to me. All I could see was her long black hair which draped over her shoulders. I'm kind of amazed and say, with the plum tree out front, and the white picket fence with the shed in the backyard? She nods, and I asked, Have you seen her? I looked around me at the girls, who were all staring wide-eyed at me. A couple of girls were quietly crying, mouths open in horror, with tears streaming down their faces. My friend Lily whispered, That was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. The five-year-old says, Who's that lady? Me, thinking she was being silly and talking about her mom. I say, that's your mommy. The five-year-old says, no, not her, the lady behind her. On our drive back home, we talked more about what we saw and were really excited about it. Not long after, I noticed a black car following me from a distance. I switched lanes to make sure the black car was in fact following me, and sure enough, wherever I went, the car followed. I was 19 and deployed to Afghanistan. I was at a small post in the southern area of the country. It was very mountainous and not very populated. We had men who weren't in uniform coming in and out several times a week, never staying for more than two days. 
We were all pretty positive that there were special forces of some sort, or maybe CIA contractors. They didn't have much interaction with any of us pretty much, they just stayed in their groups. There were a lot of rumors going around that they were doing some psychological warfare, things like ambushing and killing all but one in the dark, butchering corpses and leaving them in front of suspected villages, and burning things down. You know, crazy things to mess with people. Well, about my third week at this post, we were told in the morning that they wanted us to check in on a village not too far from us. They have been complaining about us killing goats and skinning them, which really wasn't that uncommon, as they would complain all the time to try to get money and other things from us in repayment. Then, we had a report of a patrol in the area who had seen a bunch of women and children carrying a lot of things rushing away from the area. Real suspicious activity. The next morning, we set out before the sun was all the way up. The village was less than an hour drive from us. The whole area was pretty flat in a valley most of the way there. But about two kilometers from the village, you had to take a small dirt single track road up the mountain. The entire village was on top of a small mountain, but in like a big bowl. It was just maybe a dozen small walled off houses and sheds that no more than 40 people lived in. As we split up and approached a village, our comms freaked out. All we heard was static, but four of us heard voices. They all said it was like a hundred people were talking all at once. You could hear it, but couldn't make out what was being said. That lasted for about a minute. The other group radioed us and said that three of six of them had heard clinking metal and a harsh, loud scream. A wet, gurgling scream. Then mid-scream, it just cut off and went silent. We radioed back and reported what happened, and we were told to continue on, and that our radios are encrypted, and that there is no way that anyone could have gotten into them. Not even five minutes later, it happened again, but this time to more than half of us. We heard people talking while breathing heavily, like they were running. So many voices all at once, I had to rip my headset and helmet off like many of the others. It was bad. We were out in the open, all in a panic. We reported it again, but one guy said he heard what was kind of like Farsi. Another said kind of Latin. And I swear what I heard was in Russian. We were told it might just be interfering switch channels and to keep on task. At this point, we were maybe 30 meters from the entrance of the village. It's a pretty big open area on this mountain. Not much to hide behind besides buildings. Someone noticed a thin blood trail leading into the village. We took note and continued on. When we stepped into the village, we saw a puddle of dried brown blackish blood. Before we could even register what we saw, 
three military-aged men stepped out and opened fire at us. We all dove for cover. I ran behind this 1 to 1.5 meter high wall surrounding a small building. As soon as I dropped to my ass, a man stepped out of the building and shot at me. I panicked. This was my first time being shot at. I shot at him at least eight times, two of which smacked him in the chest. Someone from the other side of the wall on a building was firing at me, so I ran to hide beside the building the man just came out of. I took cover next to the man, listening to his gurgling, heavy last breaths. After all was said and done, we had reinforcements arrive. We put down eight more men and wounded two more. We had no casualties on our side. While everyone was taking the required pictures and whatnot, an army patrol came by with four of the women from the village. They said they found them hiding in a nearby town, begging for help. They had to pretty much carry the women back as they refused to return. We split the women up and began to question them. They admitted the men were gathering and getting things together to attack a patrol, as someone had promised them a great reward. But they were crying, all terrified to be back. Our interpreter asked what has them so shaken. Is it because of the fight? They said, the morning before as the sun was coming up, they saw what looked like a bloody man walking up. Some of the women tried to go help him, but they would stop and scream. As the man walked closer, he was naked from head to toe, no hair, no skin. Each step looked like his knees would buckle and collapse. He had no eyes and no muscle around his jaw. His head just swung around loose like nothing rich to hold it up as he walked. They said he was slow and jerky. They could hear him breathing. It was wet and heavy like he was drowning. The men hearing the women scream and run grabbed some weapons. Some were muskets, some were tools. As he walked closer, they saw his belly was slit and things were just swinging from his gut. The men began to fire at him. The thing didn't notice, didn't even stop, didn't flinch, and chunks of him were ripped off. He finally stopped when the men were reloading and opened his arms up like he was going to hug someone and screamed. Screamed so loud that they had to cry. The men closest to him began to bleed from their eyes and ears and finally collapsed. The next thing they knew, he was gone, just vanished into the light red mist. The men who fell were gone too. Not a trace, no footsteps or anything, just a trail of blood into the village. We all kind of looked at each other, like that's bullshit, no way. We kind of ignored it and continued on with documenting and cleaning up. After several hours we were leaving. I was in front of six other men. We were all talking about the radio thing when one of us just stopped and yelled for us to drop.
we all listened and spread out dropping low. We were in a wide open area and there was nothing to really hide behind. But there, in the middle of the dirt track, was a horse with its legs cut off, flush at the joints, with its head twisted upside down. Something was sticking out of its belly, and it had something carved into its skin. We thought it was an IED, so we went through the standard processes and cleared the area. When we were sure all was well, we finally approached it. It had a one meter long shard of broken mirror stuck in its side. Arabic letters carved into it. The half of the horse facing away from us was skinned. So cleanly that there wasn't a drop of blood or a cut into the meat. We asked our interpreter what the Arabic word said. He said it isn't Arabic, but kind of like Farsi, but not at the same time. He said he thought it said, look, look, don't look. We were all freaked out. We went back and reported everything. Our commanding officer listened to the entire story. And after a long silence that felt like half an hour, he said, it was nothing. Exhaustion and strength from your first engagement. Be careful who you tell. People will be begging to question your mental fitness. Later when some of us went into the shower, there was yelling. The guys who were out there with us said that they saw that their faces had no skin in the mirror. We calmed them down and moved them out so that we could shower. I was the first one done and went to shave when I saw a red skinless person in the corner of the mirror. That was 11 years ago yesterday. I still sometimes see him in the mirror. Hell, in my bathroom, I don't have a mirror at all. I go to a barber once a week to shave me. The last time I shaved myself, my daughter was in watching me when I saw the man in the corner of my eye right next to her. She saw him in the mirror too and ran off screaming. What makes this all crazy is in that deployment, three of us from that day were killed in an IED. Two were critically injured in another. Our interpreter was killed with his family in his home. Four killed themselves within three years of returning home. That's eight dead and two injured just like the villagers. I've only told maybe a dozen people about this. Only one or two believed me. I can't find anything like this anywhere in the world. I know the area had a lot of history, like the Russians had a base where we had ours in the 80s. Some say Alexander the Great marched his army in that valley too. I don't know what to think of it, but I need to know more about it. It's been bugging me for years. So I live in a relatively small town in a really small country. I work as a waiter in a local restaurant. 
The restaurant is the oldest building in town and has quite a rich history. It was built in late 1800 and was originally just a small shack. The house still has a very old feel to it. We have antiques strewn all around the place. We even have the original floorboards from around 1940 in our upstairs dining area. All around a creepy vibe in the house. I've been working there for almost three years now. This encounter happened last year. So it was a pretty busy night and the place was quite packed. I was a greeter that evening, seating guests as they came, taking down reservations in the book as well as helping out during service upstairs. We had a table reserved for six people at half past seven in our upstairs dining area. The guests came in and I cheerfully said, good evening, how may I help you? They had told me the name they had made a reservation under and I confirmed. All right, table for six right this way. I said as I picked up six menus and a drinks menu to show them to their table. Actually, there's just five of us this evening, said one lady. I replied, oh, all right, no problem, and proceeded to put away the extra menu. I didn't think much of it, as party sizes change all the time, either adding or disbanding one member. I walked them upstairs and showed them their table. They all sat down, and I started putting down menus for one side of the table, then moved to the other side. I put down all five menus, but there was a sixth person sitting at the end of the table. She had her back turned to me. All I could see was her long black hair which draped over her shoulders. I just remember saying out loud, oh gosh, I forgot one menu, I'll be right back and quickly made my way downstairs. Downstairs I met my coworker, who was attending the bar as I brought the people upstairs. I told her, wow, okay, uh, so apparently they're six now? Why would she tell me they're five when they're obviously six? She just looked at me and said, are they six? I remember them walking in and I swear there were five. I just gave a shrug, grabbed a menu, and walked back upstairs. I walked to the table, menu in hand, and noticed that there were only five people sitting at the table. I walked to the table and said, oh, I thought you were six, wasn't someone sitting here? And pointed at the empty seat. They all looked at me confused and said, no, there's just five of us. I was stumped. I swear I saw someone. A lady which sat next to the empty seat looked at me and said, I felt like someone was sitting next to me too. I got chills down my spine and went downstairs for a glass of water. I had to try to forget about it because I still had to finish my shift. To this day, I always think about who or what sat down at that empty seat.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I lived in an old house as a kid until I was about eight years old. My parents told me that the ghost started appearing after I was born. My crib was in their bedroom and my mom would wake up to hear me giggling and cooing a lot like I was playing with someone. Other times I'd be sound asleep, but my crib would be rocking back and forth. And on three separate occasions, She said she saw a woman in a nice white dress standing over my crib. My dad frequently saw her going up and down our spiral staircase that led to the room upstairs, or just standing at the top of them near the balcony, looking down at him while he watched TV. When I asked my sister about it, she was reluctant to talk about it, but said she'd seen her. We also heard footsteps in the attic that would stop the second a light was turned on. My dad investigated a few times, but never found anything, except sometimes the attic light was on when he was absolutely positive it was off when he went to sleep. I only remember seeing her once, but that's another story entirely. I just sort of chalked it up as something weird my whole family experienced. I never really thought about it much after we moved. None of us ever got a bad vibe from her, and she wasn't scary, so we just lived with it for eight years. Anyways, flash forward to me being a freshman in high school. I'm in earth science class, talking to a girl I thought was cute. It got to the, so where do you live around, part of the conversation, and she said, Old Town near the railroad tracks. I said, oh really? That's neat, I used to live in Old Town, on Blank Street. She says, really? That's where I live, the White House with the green shutters. No shit. I'm kind of amazed and say, with the plum tree out front, and the white picket fence with the shed in the backyard? She nods, and I asked, have you seen her? I kid you not, her response sent a chill down my spine, and I immediately have goosebumps. She says, the lady in the white dress? Yeah. I was floored. I kept thinking, it's like a double blind study. There's no way she could have known what I meant. And she gave me an accurate description 
when I didn't even say the word ghost or anything. Honestly, it changed me. I went from being sort of a jock kid who wore Abercrombie and American Eagle when it was cool for you youngsters to listening to Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd. My whole attitude on life changed. I became a lot more relaxed and was open to new ideas, whereas before, I had a this is what's real and this is what isn't type of attitude. Every summer from 1993 to 1998, I attended a Christian youth camp for girls. The camp lasted four days, three nights. There were about 200 girls at the camp, and it was about a two-hour drive away from our homes. Some of the camping areas were tent only, others had A-frames, and at least one of the camping areas had longhouses. The campground is called Ensign Ranch. You can look online to see pictures of what it looks like. It's a really safe campground and we had a lot of fun every year. In the evenings we would tell spooky stories. Pretty typical stuff for youth camps. On the last night of camp in 1996, there were several of us girls on the top level of our longhouse. It was past bedtime. So we were quietly telling scary stories. I had told a couple, one with the help of a friend. I'll call her Lily. I don't remember the specific stories from that night, just typical and the hook was hanging from the car door type of stuff. After a couple of hours of spooky stories, someone else was talking and I was getting really tired and could hardly keep my eyes open. Then some of the girls asked me to tell one more story. So I start telling a story, making it up as I go. Just typical on a dark night in the woods not far from here type of beginning. Next thing I know, I wake up lying flat on my back. As I'm waking, I realize I'm still talking. But once I became aware of my own talking, I couldn't remember what I was saying or trying to say. I was fully awake then, and I finished by lamely saying something like, they all died, the end. I looked around me at the girls, who were all staring wide-eyed at me. A couple of girls were quietly crying, mouths open in horror with tears streaming down their faces. My friend Lily whispered, that was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. The girls that weren't crying nodded in agreement. I said I was tired and we should all go to bed. As all of the other girls moved away to their sleeping bags, I asked Lily and another girl, whom I'll call Sarah, what I had said. I admitted to them that I had fallen asleep and couldn't remember anything. Lily and Sarah exchanged glances, and Lily paused before saying, That just makes it worse. Sarah nodded in agreement, and said she didn't want to retell it, because it was that creepy. Now, at this point, 
if it had been just Lily and one or two other girls in that group, I would have thought they had realized I was asleep and were just messing with me. But Sarah was and still is a very serious person who doesn't have much of a sense of humor, doesn't like pranks, even innocent ones, and is honest almost to a fault. So I went to sleep feeling unnerved, but exhausted. A few hours later, I was being shaken awake by one of the adult camp leaders. She told me to gather my things and follow her. I sleepily and awkwardly carried my stuff down the ladder, then followed her outside. Two other camp leaders were standing next to a tent. They told me to put my items inside and then come talk to them. Inside the tent were two of the younger girls, 12 or 13, that had been listening to the scary stories and who had been crying when I woke up. They wouldn't look at me. They just laid there, sobbing. When I went back outside to talk to the leaders, they said Lily had showed up at their tent with two sobbing girls. The girls were crying and kept saying they wanted their parents to come get them. Lily explained about the scary stories and about mine being the one that made them cry. The leaders asked me what I had said. I admitted I had fallen asleep and honestly didn't know. The leader said Lily refused to tell them what I had said, and the two girls just sobbed harder the more they tried to talk to them. They explained to the girls that they weren't going to call and wake their parents up at 3am and have them drive over for a whole hour just because of spooky stories. Plus we were all going home the next day. As punishment for scaring the girls, the leaders made me sleep in the tent with them while the leaders went to sleep in the longhouse. The girls cried for a bit and then we all fell asleep. They were both gone from the tent when I awoke the next morning. To this day, I have no idea what the creepy story I told was about. No one that was there has ever been willing to tell me any of the details. Several years afterward, Lily told me that she would randomly have nightmares because of it. The only details I ever had answered were that my voice sounded the same as usual. My eyes remained closed for the majority of the story, which creeped them out more. And the story was coherent and made sense up until the end when I lamely finished speaking. Again, if it had only been Lily and a few other less serious girls, I would know they were just screwing around with me. But Sarah and most of the other girls that were there, including one that cried most of the night, even being a part of a prank on me just doesn't seem probable. This was a couple of months ago. I was staying the night at my significant other's house. We were laying in bed and watching TV. Her two daughters, ages five and eight, came into the room. The five-year-old was leaning against my side of the bed and looking over my chest toward her mother, 
whose side of the bed is near to the wall. The five-year-old says, Who's that lady? Me, thinking she was being silly and talking about her mom. I say, That's your mommy. The five-year-old says, No, not her. The lady behind her. She was staring at the wall, looking at eye level above where a person's eyes would be if they were standing there. This gave me chills. My significant other who was chatting with her other daughter didn't hear the exchange. Later, when I told her, she got freaked out and told me that she was pretty sure her house is haunted. Apparently she has had all sorts of stuff happen. Now when I go over there, I get a paranoid, eerie feeling. I'm not sure if it's because of anything actually supernatural, or if I just expect it to be haunted because she told me those things. The only other things I've experienced there have been lights randomly turning on, and my glasses disappearing from where I definitely left them. I haven't seen them since, and I had to get new ones. Anyway, the whole deal with the five-year-old really freaked me out. I guess that's all for now. I just wanted to share this story with you guys. My Men in Black encounter happened in 2004, and it was something that I'll never forget. Prior to the Men in Black incident, I went on a camping trip to Joshua Tree National Park with a few friends. On our last night there, we were looking at the stars while in front of the campfire. That's when I witnessed a couple of glowing blue UFOs in the night sky, going at amazing speeds. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and my friends were equally amazed and mystified. I tried to take a photo with my flip phone, but the UFOs moved way too fast to get a clear image of them. On our drive back home, we talked more about what we saw and were really excited about it. Not long after, I noticed a black car following me from a distance. I switched lanes to make sure the black car was in fact following me, and sure enough, wherever I went, the car followed. Then when I glanced at my rearview mirror again, the car suddenly disappeared without a trace, which was really unsettling. The next day, after running a few errands, I started driving home and when I arrived at my house, I saw a black Cadillac parked in my driveway. I tried to convince myself that it wasn't the same black car following me a day ago but my gut feeling told me otherwise. When I got out of my car, two men in matching black suits, light gray dress shirts, black ties, and black fedoras approached me and asked if they could ask me a few questions about what I had witnessed the other night before. I asked them who they were and to see some credentials. They claimed that they worked for a division of the US Air Force. Their appearance looked what I can only describe as plastic and expressionless, 
and they both had a pale olive skin tone. They spoke in a raspy, monotone voice, and their speech was very precise, sounding almost synthetic. They also had a very cold and intense gaze. Some of the questions they asked were, Can you describe what you saw that night? What do you think you saw? Did you take any photos of what you witnessed? Were there others who might have had recording devices or cameras? Do you know if anyone recorded the incident? Have you spoken about this incident with anyone else who wasn't present with you that night? Did you find any unusual debris at the location you were that night? Would you be withholding any important information from us? Of course, I didn't answer most of their questions honestly, and I did withhold a lot of information as to what I saw and who I was with. They ended their question by strongly advising me to refrain from talking about what I witnessed with anyone and to forget the incident ever happened. They also strongly implied that they would be keeping an eye on me in case I decided to ignore their demands. After the encounter, I had this constant ominous feeling for a while and always looked over my shoulder wherever I went. I don't know who these men were or how they had knowledge of what I saw that night, but I believe they were the man in black. Since that encounter, I've been really hesitant and careful about who I share my experience with, but I finally decided to share it here. Do you think these were men in black? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.